You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our first update of 2019. Thanks for joining us. I hope you've had a wonderful new year. I can tell you that Judicial Watch has a lot in store uh, for 2019, and I'll get into that. Uh, But we've got big news in a uh, big case in California that will require a major cleanup, the uh, major cleanup of the voting rolls there. Uh, I want to talk about the new Congress and the impeachment effort that is uh, almost sure to target improperly uh, President Trump. And plus, I've got a report on the ethics of uh, some incoming members uh, that you'll want an update on that is very important. Uh, But first up, um, you know, Judicial Watch has been in the forefront of our efforts of efforts to make sure that your elections are free, fair and honest. And uh, we have an election integrity project that over the years has sued in federal court to enforce the law to make sure that voting rolls are cleaned up or states take reasonable steps to clean up voting rolls. And uh, we've had a great success in that regard in California where we just announced this week that we filed a settlement agreement. We signed on to a settlement agreement along with our clients, the Election Integrity Project of California, and some individual citizens out there with the state of California, the Secretary of State there, and the Los Angeles County, requiring uh, Los Angeles County uh, to take steps to remove up to 1.5 million uh, in active registrations from their voting rolls. And the law we're seeking to enforce and that we sued under is called the National uh, Voter Registration Act. And it was uh, famously known as the Motor Voter Bill. It was signed into, law, uh, signed into law by President Clinton. And the deal was this. And it wasn't much of a deal because uh, Republicans objected in large measure to it, but their concerns were overridden. That, uh, look, we're going to have efforts underway to register as many voters as we can. Uh, but as, as a result of those efforts to register a bunch of new voters at DMVs and at welfare offices and things like that, we're going to take require states to take reasonable steps to clean up the election rolls. Well, as you can imagine, the left had zero interest in cleaning up election rolls and obviously pushed hard to make sure that registration numbers became inflated improperly. And sure enough, leftists in the Justice Department during the Clinton administration, the Obama administration, refused to enforce the section of the law requiring the states to uh, take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. So that's where Judicial Watch came in. We filed the first private lawsuits in American history seeking to enforce that section of the law that states are required to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. And we had successful outcomes in Indiana and Ohio. We had the first state settlement with Ohio, uh, the substance of which was upheld last year by the Supreme Court of the United States. And last year as well, we had a file-on lawsuit in Kentucky that resulted in a settlement and a consent decree uh, that requires Kentucky to take reasonable steps to clean up its roles. Kentucky's roles uh, were an absolute mess. And one of the standards we use is you look at the number of registrations versus the number of eligible citizens there in a jurisdiction or a state that uh, is eligible or are eligible to vote. And too many states and too many counties, especially in California, had more people on the rolls than were eligible to vote. That's a pretty good indication 
that there are that they weren't taking reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. And this is where Judicial Watch came in. We sent the warning letters that the law required, and we sued specifically in California to make sure that the rolls were being cleaned up. And our allegations in California were dramatic and accurate because they were based on census numbers and data provided oftentimes by the states and the counties we were concerned about. Los Angeles County had more voter registrations on its voter rolls than it had citizens that were old enough to register. Specifically, according to data provided to and published by the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, which is a federal agency, L.A. County had a registration rate of up to 112% of its adult citizen population. 112%. Entire state of California had a registration rate of about 101% of the age eligible, age eligible citizenry. 11 of California's 58 counties had registration rates exceeding 100% of the age eligible, age eligible citizenry. Now, we're talking California, the largest state in the union. They've got 40, many, 40 million residents. I think Los Angeles County, their population is over 10 million, and uh, if it were a state, Los Angeles County would be one of the top 10 states in the country in terms of population. And in the course of this litigation, and you know, I should tell you that I, I, don't, I don't do the litigation. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. We've got a great team of lawyers here that litigated this case, led by Bob Popper, who's director of our election integrity section, uh, integrity project, uh, he was a former Justice Department attorney. He actually worked in the Obama administration for a period of time. Uh, and he was former deputy chief of the voting rights section of the Justice Department. So uh, someone who knows what to do and how to enforce the law. And so kudos to our attorneys for ferreting out, for A, filing and litigating this lawsuit, but ferreting out the following information. Los Angeles County confirmed to Judicial Watch that it had on its rolls more than 1.5 million potentially ineligible voters. 1.5 million. Nationally, the total number of people on the rolls that were potentially ineligible, Judicial Watch found to be 3.5 million. Half of the problem was in this one county, Los Angeles County. That meant more than one out of every five Los Angeles County registrations was probably bad in the sense it belonged to a voter who had moved or who otherwise was ineligible to vote or was dead. We also found out that California and Los Angeles County specifically hasn't enforced or removed one person from the rolls since 1998, 20 years. So this settlement agreement, which was filed with the local court and the federal court in Los Angeles yesterday, is now going to have the enforcement of a federal law to clean up election rolls in California that hasn't been enforced in 20 years. This is a major victory for Judicial Watch. It's a major victory for election integrity. It will set a standard and a precedent, not only in California for the other counties, uh, but also state, uh, nationwide for states to take reasonable steps to clean up election rolls. And specifically, what's going to happen is the new settlement agreement requires that all of the 1.5 million potentially ineligible registrants to be notified 
and asked to respond. So they're going to go mailing out to these group people. If there's no response, those names are to be removed as required by the MVRA and as affirmed by the Supreme Court last year. Now, they're not removed immediately. It will take potentially two, four years to remove these names. But I tell you, they haven't been touched for 20 years. In fact, according to our document, according to what we've been able to, according to what we what we've been unable, excuse me, according to what we've been able to uncover, over 580,000 registrations who are inactive are over 10 years old. And Los Angeles County was a mess. They had 23% of their rolls, frankly, that shouldn't shouldn't be there. They can they're basically going to have to cut a quarter of their voting rolls. And why is this important? Because dirty election rolls can mean dirty elections. When you have inactive registrations on your rolls, it means that anyone can show up and vote in that person's name through absentee balloting and other fraudulent means. And in California, they've made it worse because they've enacted under law this ballot ballot harvesting scheme, which allows third parties who don't know voters to collect ballots and bring them to uh, polling places, which is an absolute recipe for fraud, which is why their uh, ballot harvesting is mostly illegal in this United States. So uh, as a result of Judicial Watch's uh, lawsuit, uh, California is not only, uh, Los Angeles County is not only going to take these steps to take uh, these 1.5 million inactive registration off the rolls, they're immediately, for instance, going to now start, forget about the uh, mailing, they're going to start taking steps immediately to remove dead people from the rolls. Incredible, it took a federal lawsuit to get this done. And in addition, California's Secretary of State is going to notify uh, the, uh, the others in the, in, in the state, the other counties, that uh, ineligible names must be removed and that they're obligated to do so. So it's not just going to be Los Angeles County. There are going to be other counties in California that are going to have to start removing names. Now, this does, this does not mean that if you're there in a county and you're eligible to vote and you still want to vote, you won't be able to. If you're an active voter, you'll be able to vote. If you respond to uh, anyone's request for information, are you still there? We haven't heard from you. That's the way to get your votes counted. Maintain your registration. If you don't maintain your registration, you still will be able to vote mostly in many of these places because you'll be able to file provisional ballots. So this is not a, a, a voter purge in the sense that, oh, these poor people who aren't voting who are regular voters will have their names removed. No, these are people who don't vote and who are likely moved away or dead. And the fact that the left has hated the idea of doing these basic list maintenance procedures, it tells you what their goal is. Their goal is to have their, the voting rolls padded in a way that allows for potential fraud. That's my conclusion. I, I, don't, know, I, I, don't, I don't see any legitimate basis for opposing the cleanup of voter rolls, for opposing voter ID, for opposing citizen, citizenship verification, other than the fact you want uh, dirty voting rolls for fraud, 
You want people uh, who are not who they say they are to be able to vote, and you want non-citizens to vote contrary to law. And the left has made it its mission, its mission to oppose Judicial Watch in these efforts to uh, enforce the law on list maintenance, voting roll maintenance, opposing everywhere voter ID laws, and they certainly don't want citizenship verification, which would be a cutting-edge reform and a much-needed reform given the large number of aliens ineligible to vote in the United States. And uh, the left has uh, devoted an enormous amount of resources to opposing efforts like this. They've opposed opposed us in various states. They tried to oppose us in California unsuccessfully. And it's just little old Judicial Watch taking on these behemoths on the left and in the states, the state governments, and getting the work done. And we do it with your support and the excellent legal acumen of our attorneys on staff here. So this is a big victory on behalf of election integrity, and uh, uh, it's going to have national ramifications. And you'll learn more about it in, I'm sure, the coming months and such as it becomes uh, widely known. Uh, But uh, remember, we came in and got a law finally enforced in California to clean up the rolls that hasn't been enforced in 20 years. You know why it hadn't been enforced in 20 years? Because the liberals in the Clinton administration convinced California that they didn't have to remove names from the rolls, and they stopped doing so. So if you live in California, as a result of Judicial Watch's work, your elections are going to be cleaner pretty soon. And uh, it's, a, it's a great credit to our supporters who allow us to do this work as well. And uh, we're going to keep on doing it. We're going to follow up in California to make sure this settlement agreement is enforced. We're going to be going into other states that have egregious list maintenance issues to make sure that names are removed that are supposed to be removed. Look, and we don't expect every name that's ineligible to be removed. The law requires reasonable steps. And it certainly is unreasonable not to remove a name from the rolls for 20 years, especially if half of those names, a third of those names, haven't been active and voted in the last 10 years. Unbelievable. So it's great news. It was great news. This is why I'm pumped for 2019, because I want more successes like this, and I know with our great staff here at Judicial Watch and your support, we're going to have more great success. Uh, But in the meantime, we're facing uh, a rule of law crisis here in Washington, D.C. Let's bring it back to Washington, D.C. We have a new Congress in place, a new Senate with a few more Republicans, and and they're not just any Republicans. They tend to be more conservative uh, than uh, some of the Republicans that are being uh, replaced and retired. So the Senate's looking a little bit better if you're concerned about conservative public policy. Now, in the House, you're having the Democrats taking control of the House. So Nancy Pelosi uh, is remarkably back as Speaker. I guess it's pretty rare to be Speaker, leave office and lose control, and then come back as Speaker again in American history. So credit to her. 
for maintaining her leadership. You know, ironically, back when she first was speaker, judicial, you know what her, not, you know what her campaign theme was to take back the House in 2006, I believe? It was 2006 elections. Strain the swamp. Drain the swamp. And uh, Judicial Watch worked with Nancy Pelosi back when she was Speaker to uh, reform the House ethics process. Yes, to reform the House ethics process. And uh, I, I knew what they were doing. They needed a conservative group uh, to, uh, to bolster their efforts to reform the House ethics process. But we didn't think it was a, an ideological issue. And what happened was, as a result of our efforts, there, became, there, there was this extra, uh, a more independent body that was established within the House called the Office of Congressional Ethics to guarantee more transparency and at least an initial review of ethics complaints that had traditionally been buried by the Ethics Committee, which was jointly run by Democrats and Republicans in equal numbers. It's kind of a mutually assured destruction pact, the Ethics Committee in the House. And uh, as a result, uh, we've got uh, more transparency to the ethics process on the Hill because of our partnership with Nancy Pelosi. So I hope Nancy Pelosi continues to reform the House ethics process because it needs reform. It needs more transparency, accountability, and integrity. And I would also suggest, and this is something else that is important generally, we had pushed this uh, back in the Pelosi days. We pushed it when uh, Boehner was running it and when Ryan was running the House, uh, which is transparency for Congress. So the FOIA law that we use, the Freedom of Information Act, only applies to the executive branch. It doesn't apply to Congress. Congress has exempted itself from the FOIA law. I don't know if that's a fair way of putting it, but they passed a law that only applies to the presidency. So there is no FOIA law for Congress. So we can't ask questions about the Awan brothers directly of the Congress. We can't ask questions about how members are, I guess we can ask the questions, but we don't have a vehicle under which to get documents through court process. So we can't ask questions of individual House members about their personnel practices and their, let's say, uh, misuse of government resources to cover up sexual harassment claims and settle them and other personnel matters. Nancy Pelosi was on vacation infamously in Hawaii during this ongoing government shutdown. One of the questions we had for uh, Nancy Pelosi when she was speaker, uh, and we had filed Freedom of Information Act requests and exposed her use and misuse of government military planes to get back and forth to her district in San Francisco. And uh, one of the things that we can't get answers to, uh, which what we would want to currently, is the cost of her security when she's in Hawaii. It costs a lot of money. We know this from Secret Service records that we have for President Obama and President Trump. It costs money to deploy the Secret Service to provide protection for, these, for VIPs like the President. It costs money for the Capitol Police to provide protection for the Speaker of the House. And I'm not saying we shouldn't spend the money. I'm just saying we should have transparency about how much money we spend to provide security for high-level government officials. 
but we can't get those numbers because the Capitol Police aren't covered by the Freedom of Information Act. So Nancy Pelosi and her new Democratic colleagues on the Hill, especially the incoming freshmen, uh, should take a look at this because you can, spe you can bet they're going to spend a lot of time demanding transparency from the Trump administration, which is their right. But there's no way to get transparency from Congress under the law. And so that would be a great uh, reform. And I think it would be met with, uh, uh, it would be welcomed by both Democrats and Republicans. Transparency. If you're a liberal watching this video, you probably agree with me. Yeah, we do need more transparency in government. If you're a conservative watching this video, you probably agree with me. Yes, we do need more transparency in government. But the transparency should have not only applied to the executive branch, it should apply to the legislative branch, and dare I say it, it should apply to the judicial branch. Yes, the court should be more transparent as well. And I'm not saying we get into the uh, uh, decision-making of individual judges and, and mess with their ability to make decisions, but the administrative bodies of uh, the judiciary should be subject to transparency laws. Their decisions on personnel, for instance, and uh, building courthouses, which they oversee, why, why isn't that subject to disclosure under law? So that's just one, I, I maybe digressed a little bit on it, but a lot of you, I bet you don't know that Congress is not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. And Congress should be subject to the Freedom of Information Act. I think you would agree with me on that. Uh, but as I said earlier, they're going to be, uh, Congress is coming in, and on the agenda of the House is the uh, move to impeach the President of the United States. I think the idea of impeaching the president is absurd and would be an abuse of the impeachment power, but it's something that Democrats want to do. And President uh, Trump is going to have to face this uh, political problem because it is a political process, impeachment. It's not a legal process. Impeachment in the House only requires majority vote, and it's run by politicians, so it's necessarily political. Now, the president can only be removed from office as a result of trial and two-thirds of senators uh, voting to convict him. So his removal is unlikely. But the impeachment fight is going to be very real. And, and I know it's going to be abusive because already you've got some crazed Democrats saying inappropriate things. You have a congressman from Detroit, Michigan, a new Democrat, far-left congressman, I think she's a vowed member of the Democratic Socialists of America, so she's far left. She's a socialist. And she was at a, a group of act before a group of activists, a far left group called MoveOn.org. By the way, that was formed to oppose Clinton's impeachment. Move on. Move on from the Clinton impeachment issue. That was their focus. So she's telling this MoveOn.org group that she was talking to her son, and I mean, long story short, she says, we're going to impeach the bleep of the bleep. I'm not, you can look it up online, but I'm not going to repeat it, and I'm not going to uh, give you enough detail. Uh, it's, all, it's online all over the place. So we called the, she called the President of the United States a nasty name and said, we're going to impeach 
the blankety-blank. So this is what the new Democrats want to do. Now, Nancy Pelosi and some of the senior Democrats are saying, well, no, we got to wait. You know, we can't get too far ahead of it. And uh, the Politico, which is a far-left magazine on the Internet, Democrat activist magazine, uh, says that uh, their headline is that Dems livid after Tlaib, uh, Rashida Tlaib, vows to impeach the blankety-blank. So they're doing a spin for the Democratic allies where they've got the leadership trying to disassociate themselves. Well, not really disassociate themselves from Tlaib's comments. Pelosi said, while she didn't agree with the language, she also didn't think anyone should make a big deal about the expletive, noting the president is also known for having a foul mouth sometimes. Well, if the president is cursing like that in public, he should be admonished, that's for sure. I'm not in the censorship business. I don't like the language. I wouldn't use that language. But I wouldn't establish language standards for my colleagues, which, of course, isn't the issue. The language is, it's obviously, it makes it quite apparent. It gets attention to the underlying issue. But the language isn't the big issue here. It's the idea that their first goal out of the gate is to impeach President Trump. Based on what? Well, Brad Sherman, another radical from California, already introduced articles for impeachment over his firing for James Comey, calling it obstruction of justice. How is firing James Comey obstruction of justice? I don't know. But that isn't what the impeachment standard would be. The idea that that's obstruction of justice is absurd. The president had every right to fire James Comey. And in retrospect, his firing James Comey was absolutely correct because James Comey was corrupt. He illicitly targeted the president, was spying. He illicitly targeted General Flynn with an ambush interview. He protected Hillary Clinton. He did things he wasn't supposed to do as FBI director. He's now under criminal investigation for taking documents he shouldn't have taken after he was fired. The president did the American people, the president did the American people a favor by firing James Comey. James Comey reports to the president, the president has a right to have the FBI director of his choosing. And if he didn't have confidence in the FBI director because of this abusive Russia investigation, I'm glad he fired him. And he should have. Look, the impeachment is high crimes and misdemeanors, such as bribery and treason. The president hasn't done anything like that. It's not everything you don't like. He raised my taxes. He tweets in a way I don't like. Uh, I don't like the way he talks. I guess you could try to impeach him over that, but that isn't what our founding fathers intended. High crimes and misdemeanors. There's no Russia collusion. He's allowed to fire employees of the Justice Department and the FBI, especially ones who are politicized like James Comey was and were abusing their offices. But look, if the Democrats want to do that, they have a constitutional right to try to make the case. 
But our goal as Judicial Watch, as an educational group, is to affirm the rule of law and our constitutional system. And we don't see anything uh, mandating or requiring the impeachment of the President of the United States. Uh, but the hard left that's coming in with a new Democratic class has this as a big issue. So in the meantime, Judicial Watch is going to continue to highlight the more important scandal, which the Democrats in Congress aren't going to investigate. because, and You know why? Because they have to investigate themselves. They'd have to investigate themselves. Because this Comey investigation that led to, excuse me, the FISA investigations, the dossier investigations, the targeting of Trump as a result of the dossier material created by the Democratic National Committee hired firm that paid off Fusion GPS, the Clinton campaign firm that paid off Fusion GPS. That's the corruption. Are the Democrats going to bring in the Democratic National Committee and ask them about their payments to to Fusion GPS to work with so-called Russia intelligence to manufacture false dirt on the president as insurance in case he won? Of course not. And this is why we have Judicial Watch, because when the branches get politicized, and frankly, when the Republicans running the House, they didn't do a good job investigating that either. In fact, one of the last gasps of the Republican House was a letter by Trey Gowdy and Bob Goodlatte affirming the need to respect the Mueller investigation. Once again, protecting the Mueller abusive investigation. That's what the House did as one of its last acts. This is why Judicial Watch is doing the work we're doing. We have Freedom of Information Act lawsuits to expose the FISA abuse. Uh, We have Freedom of Information Act lawsuits to hold uh, James, uh, excuse me, Robert Mueller accountable. We have Freedom of Information Act lawsuits to expose the unmaskings that took place targeting the Trump team and the deep state generally. And the president should declassify, order the declassification and the wide-scale release of information here. Because Congress isn't going to do it. He's going to have to do it. The House is going to shut down in terms of demanding information, exposing FBI, DOJ corruption. I mean, it was just Judicial Watch that exposed earlier this uh, month, or excuse me, just last month, that the State Department was rushing out classified information improperly to the Senate the day before the president was inaugurated to make sure that dirt on Russia supposedly was out there. Illegal dissemination of classified information, that's my view of it. And it was Judicial Watch that uncovered that, not Congress. In fact, Congress is implicated in this deep state assault on the president. Now, I was talking about ethics earlier, and I wanted to highlight the fact that there are some ethical concerns with the new Democrats coming to town, or the old Democrats coming to town and taking on additional power. 
I talked about the ethics process, which is largely broken in the Senate. We have a pending complaint we're still waiting to hear from the Senate on, on Cory Booker. Remember Cory Booker? Cory Booker, Mr. Spartacus? He proudly highlighted the fact he was releasing documents he was not allowed to release under Senate rules and given to the Senate under the provision, by the, given to the Senate by the White House, with the specific provision that they're not be released improperly. And he didn't care. He released them because he thought he could get away with it. And the release of such documents, according to Senate rules, ought to result in his expulsion from the Senate. And this is why the Ethics Committee doesn't want to act on it. We also have a complaint pending against Maxine Waters. You may remember Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters is now going to chair the Financial Services Committee of the House. Very powerful position. Overseeing the banks and our the financial services industry. It's basically the old House Banking Committee. We filed an ethics complaint because she was calling for violence against the Trump cabinet. Specifically, she said, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them that they are not welcome anymore, anywhere. So this person, we filed an ethics complaint. Obviously, that doesn't reflect credibly on the House. You violate House rules when you threaten and incite violence against other government officials. Of course, Maxine Waters has a troubled ethics history as it is. She helped shepherd funds to a bank called United One that Judicial Watch had pursued with the Ethics Committee that was tied to her husband. Of course, we didn't get the money back, I don't think. So she has already abused her perch as a powerful member of that Financial Services Committee once before. And yet she's being being brought in as chairman without a peep from the press. Who's watching these members of Congress? Judicial watches. We file ethics complaints. We expose what the government's up to. We expose how John McCain, for instance, was behind and pushing for IRS abuses, his staff member telling Lois Lerner to engage in financially ruinous audits, Republican or Democrat alike. And of course, we also have a complaint pending against Adam Schiff, who's the incoming chairman of the Intelligence Committee, for illicitly confirming classified material, which he's not allowed to do as an Intelligence Committee chairman. These were conversations that were classified between the Russian ambassador and General Flynn. Remember the conversations Flynn ultimately had to plead guilty to lying about? Which I don't think he lied about, but that's a whole other segment. And Schiff, unlawfully, it looks like, and in contrary to House rules, said those, um, uh, confirmed those conversations. Now, the left went after Nunes, Devin Nunes, the former chairman. Now I think he's ranking member, the heroic member of the House who exposed a lot of that corruption by falsely accusing him 
of this conduct when in fact it was actually Adam Schiff who unethically and maybe illegally put out publicly classified information. House Ethics Committee hasn't acted on that complaint either, even though it's, it's pretty straightforward. And what's with the Maxine Waters complaint? Is inciting violence and encouraging pushing back members of the cabinet in public spaces in their, when they're trying to get their gas or when they eat in a restaurant? And we've seen instances of that actually happening. members of the cabinet and other top officials in the Republican Party in the House and the Senate. Does the Ethics Committee have a problem figuring out whether that comports with House rules or not? Senator Booker said, I'm breaking Senate rules in releasing these documents. The Senate Ethics Committee hasn't acted yet. So we're going to hear a lot of noise about Democrats on the Hill investigating the Trump administration. And I'm not... I don't believe the Trump administration should be immune from investigation. We have more lawsuits against the Trump administration than anyone in Washington, D.C. or in the country trying to get documents out. There's no one in court more against the Trump administration trying to demand transparency from this administration's agencies. No one. By far, we are the number one filing filer of Freedom of Information Act lawsuits to figure out what's going on in our government against the Trump administration. So I don't want any lectures from the left or the media about, oh, we need to investigate the Trump administration. We are investigating Trump administration. They don't like what we're investigating because it's focused on the deep state, but we're investigating. So when the House Democrats ask questions of the Trump administration, remember they're immune from the same types of questions because of the Freedom of Information Act. And when there are substantial ethical concerns raised, they don't want to pursue them. Because when these ethics committees refuse to act, it's not because uh, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a substantial issue with the underlying complaint. It's because, as I say, the committees are split half and half. And unless they get at least one member of the opposite party to move forward on a complaint, it's not going to go anywhere. So you got a chore. This I, I would suggest you do the following. You call your House members and your Senate members. You tell them to uh, what you think about the wall. We still have a crisis on the border, by the way. Your lives are being put at risk because of the inability or unwillingness of the Congress to fund basic security measures like a wall on the border. Let them know what you think about that. Let them know what you think about the fact there's no transparency on the Hill. Let them know what you think about the fact there's no ethics enforcement of any significant note on the Hill. I mean, we go through the process. I recognize this process is not perfect, but at least we go through the process to hold them to account. And I ask, I'm asking you to follow up with your elected members of Congress. Call them up, 202-224-3121, and let them know what you think about their failure to enforce ethical rules with their own members, their failure to defend you on the wall, and their failure to be transparent and accountable to you, the American people. So we're ready for 2019. You can see I'm raring to go. We're pumped to go. 
And the reason I know we'll be successful again in 2019 is because we have the support of millions, millions and millions of Americans like yourselves. So thank you. Have a wonderful new year. And I'm looking forward to working with you and sharing with you our, uh, the fruits of our important drain the swamp work in the next several months and through 2019. Thank you and have a great week. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.